Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way across the Atlantic Ocean in that cold and windy land is the gold standard and ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. You're not kidding. Windy? Huh. We've had 60, 70 mile an hour winds all week. Really? Yep. Yeah, we're in a storm today. We had a big one, and then we got a big uh, another one coming in with snow. On oh, good! Friday. Three more, four more days. We'll be getting that then. Yeah. So that's how it works. It goes from us to you. Normally, yeah. Yeah, the jet stream drags it straight across, and we're the next stop. So there's nothing to push it down to bring the uh, drips, the uh, jet stream down. Not at the moment, no, because no. it's doing... Um... Hey, I was looking at the Farmer's Almanac. You're in... I'd get the snowblower out if I were you. I already have it out. I'm always yeah. prepared. Yeah, you might need it this year, according to mm. the Farmer's Farmers Almanac. New England's in for a cold one. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So... Just uh, I'd throw that in there, you know. No, yeah, no, I see that. So, yeah, we've just been um, celebrating, because, you know, Halloween is over, so nobody cares about ghosts anymore in the media uh, they've, had, they've had their quotes for the year um, and we've been commemorating the 100th anniversary of the end of the first well the Great War, the First World War mm-hmm. um, there's been big celebrations here in the UK um, building up to the 11th of November the 11th hour of the 11th day of the right. 11th month and uh, we've been we've been sort of trying to get the boys involved uh, teaching them about their ancestors who were involved in the great war mm-hmm. um and so that's what we you know that's that's been on our radar for this week is learning about the past and uh quite a bit of researching the past actually because uh, annually they make a lot of the records in the national archive pertaining to um the uh, conflict uh, they 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 make them available, uh, or more available, should I say? Normally, right. you have to pay quite a fee for them, but uh, to commemorate the hundredth anniversary day. And uh, I discovered quite a few, quite a few. I mean, I, I I'd already researched my great grandfather, who was who was uh, who fought in the First World War, and, and uh, the Battle and, of the Revolution and whatever. I think yeah, we, he was there when the Greeks defended, defeated the Persians, and uh, I'm sure he was there when the Egyptians <laughs> beat the Ptolemites. Probably, but um, I, I discovered a few more things about him, which was which was good because it's always good to be in touch with with the past and uh, with the family. So that's been cool, you know, sort of uh, researching, digging through the archives. And trying to read the the hastily scribbled notes of the officers uh, while they were under fire because they mm-hmm. they've made it available the facsimile well the uh, photo- photographs of the war diaries that were written in field by the uh, 
different officers. You know, they had to fill in these. The British love paperwork, and despite mm. the fact that they were under heavy shelling and being gassed by the uh, those treacherous diabolical Germans, they still had to maintain the war diary, the the unit diary, every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they go from very neat handwriting at the start, and then you know as the battle, as the unit sort of progresses through the different battles, the handwriting becomes more and more uh, illegible. Hmm. Yeah, I was actually uh, watching a documentary on uh, the uh, the history of the tank, actually, or, mm-hmm. or, or the British, the heavy machine gun corps. Uh, <laughs> The tank. But, I mean, it is a British invention. Let's not. Let's be clear. No, let's let's not. Let's yeah, get us started. It, it is world, an Austrian invention. Uh, we did give the world the tank. No, I don't think so. First the Austrians came up with the idea long before you, and the French, uh, by the way, also had it before you, including the company that my wife worked for, which was Schneider. Uh, really? Manufacturing them. Yeah. Really? Well, every history book I've ever read and Well, of course, I've you're all seen, British. What do you want? Absolutely. In 1916, in November 1916, to a huge shock to the Germans who all ran away, mm-hmm. the British deployed 400 tanks. And, and they were called, deployed others before then. They were they were called tanks because um, it was it was actually to disguise what they were when they were shipping them to the battlefront. Uh, they would disguise. They had tarpaulins and uh, packing thrown over them, and they were listed as water tanks. And the name stuck uh, evermore. Absolutely. The first one was named Little Willie. The first production one was named Mother. That's right, Mother. Uh, and Mother still exists in a museum. That's what I wanted to ask about when I started watching this, and and I also saw a lot of things too. And uh, the I remember the father of the French tanks uh, try to uh, work with the British to uh, co-produce tanks together, but it didn't work out. So he, I remember him saying, "What a silly name for a vehicle." Yes, when well, I can understand now. After all, they are septic tanks. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, and thank God, and thank God, uh, and thank God they were they were invented and created and deployed because they broke the they broke the stalemate of four years of trench warfare. <laughs> like hell, <laughs> uh, they were they absolutely soundly did. defeated on, on the first battle. Uh, they uh, absolutely they were soundly defeated. Yes, they defeated. were. The, the first. I'm, I'm battle, sorry. I'm, hang on a minute. They deployed 50 tanks at Cambrai, and they were totally. They uh, won their objective. But then we had a, I mean, every, they all every speck of ground was retreated to. They that's lost most. To do with it. That's lost most of their their vehicles. Oh, uh, here we go. We've been watching an American History Channel program, have we? And then no, it's produced by the BBC. Excuse me. Uh, so, anyways, and then the second one, they yeah. they, were, they, yeah. they actually won. So, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah. once again, at the cost it of. Broke. It broke trench warfare, but the first ones were mechanically unreliable and notorious for breaking down or getting bogged down in the mud. And, um, and the only way they could communicate was they actually had peri- carrier pigeons on board. Uh, they did, and lights. They used they also used signal light, lights as well. Well, carrier pigeons was the original because they couldn't figure it out. Because the first ones that took off, they, they had didn't a, have radio. They, they didn't have working they radio. Food for the, the pigeons. Well, there you go. You could always eat the pigeons, I suppose. But they were a huge success the first time they were deployed. They they, they, they they sort of rolled straight on through the Germans and kept going, but they had no idea of what to do next. And so they turned around and came back again. <laughs> because they, their orders only took them to break right. through the, and, the and German... And the, cal- 
three, and and the rest of the troops yeah. never pulled up. They never got any orders. No. To... Uh, well, they they right. they sort of yeah. The tanks kept going. They ended up in the town, and then they sort of hung around for a little while, and then decided, well, we might as well, well head back. We'll head back for tea. Because they got shelled the crap out of them by German guns. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. The first Pro- tank. I'm sorry, tank, what program of, uh, which program have you been watching? The first watching? tank, by the way, when it was shown to the king, came flying over the, went over the, uh, the trench, came I love it when in the down, tell- came smashing down. These four guys come out to s- salute the king. And uh, the only problem was there was eight guys in the crew and four of them were knocked out when they went over the yeah. thing. Yeah. And? <laughs> yeah. Is, is it, uh, and... and uh, I'm just just considering this was the first time the, the vehicle of this nature had been deployed in combat, mm-hmm. and you know it was relative. Well, it was completely untested technology, mm-hmm. but look what it gave us: the American Abrams, which uses British Chobham armor, and the you know the the Challenger, the British Challenger too, soon to be upgraded. Um, you know, without that, without these early. Mistakes without learning about. It. I mean, one of the great right. contributions. If it wasn't for the Germans, we wouldn't have those tanks. Not the freaking British. Yeah, yeah. I forgot you. I forgot America wasn't even in the war till 1917 and a half, was it? I had a laugh. The uh, the French actually made our tanks in World War One uh, because they they the armament company could charge the Americans, but they couldn't charge the French because it was unpatriotic, so they made the French tanks, but they couldn't charge them for a profit, And but they could charge the Americans, so that's why they just ate up that and gave them a... Well, I've got a picture taken, there's a picture, I think it shows it in New York, um, of the first American-built tank, mm-hmm. which is a direct clone copy of uh, one of the British tanks of the period. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it, it's uh, it's always it's always heartwarming to realise that uh, oh, <laughs> that just like Donald Trump, um, who couldn't be bothered coming out in the rain, uh, the Americans, as usual, arrived late. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the second half of nineteen seventy yeah. when they bothered to show up? Right. Which what's very heartwarming too is that the, the, almost the British started these tank banks where they went to each town. They brought a tank in because right. the, they were the rage of the the, yeah, the thing, yeah. and and people yeah. would buy buy guns. Yes, they would buy a gun. They would give the money to the thing, and and the cities actually competed to each other. That's right. That's and right. Uh, the one who wanted, of course, was Glasgow, and. Uh, and of course, uh, after the war, uh, the British were so afraid. The British were so afraid of Glasgow being turning communism. They sent their tanks to put down the riots. So the tanks that the Glasgow people paid for, uh, the British used against them. Nice, nice. Didn't use them against them. Yeah. They were deployed to the area. They were not used against them. They, they intimidated tanked. them with them. It will. What's so, what's so different about that? Mm, yeah. I mean, have you ever been to Glasgow? No. You ask Stephen Scott what Glasgow's like. You know, if you go out to Glasgow on a Saturday night, you need a tank. And that's even now. <laughs> anyway, so that, that actually brought me to uh, something yeah. I thought about when I was watching, because I've seen so many, uh, you know, stories about planes being haunted, trains being haunted, cars being haunted. I was visiting a haunted I, airplane a few, a few weeks ago. Yeah, me too. I did an investigation one. But besides that... Has there ever been any reports of like a haunted tank or a, a haunted yes. carry? Well, well, tell me, please tell me. Uh, I don't know all the details, but I am aware that there are two or three military vehicles in various museums around the UK. One is in, I think, Dis in Norfolk, 
and there's a tank in the Royal Tank in the Tank Museum in Bovingdon. So maybe, maybe after break, you could do a quick look up and see if you can get me a little information on that. No well, I think it'll take more than more than googling, but um, oh, okay, no problem. The, they, in fact, one of them even featured on the the one in Dis, which was an armored fighting vehicle as opposed to a tank, featured on <laughs> an episode of The Most Haunted. Oh, really? Uh, uh, where they, they, they did the museum, but one vehicle in particular had been singled out prior to their visit and had had a reputation for um, being the repository of a spirit. But I think really? there's also there's also a World War Two, and it might not be a British tank, mm-hmm. um, at Bovingdon, at the Tank Museum in Bovingdon, uh, that has a stories attached to it. Intriguing. Uh, so yeah, armored fighting ships, of course, naval ships. Oh, ships plenty, plenty of ships. That's um, why I didn't even mention it because there are and, so and almost of... almost every airfield uh, that dates back to World War Two in the UK has. A, in fact, I don't know of a single one that hasn't got a ghost. Ghosts and it's not surprising because if you look at sort of what took place um, in the uh, in the air war, mm-hmm. you had you had a, a very bizarre um, situation where. You know, two or three days a week, these young airmen from America and from the Royal Air Force and the United States Army Air Corps were living a, nor- a comparatively normal life. They were in a, a, you know, they were they were in the in the UK. They could go out at night to the pub. They could do normal things. They weren't in a war zone. And then night after night, uh, you know, several nights each week, they would climb aboard these aircraft and. A lot of them never came back. Bomber Command lost 55,000 aircrew in the the U.S. Army Air Corps, you know, similar numbers of, you know, young men who one minute were drinking in the pub and cycling, you know, to and from the post office. Mm -hmm. And the next, you know, that same night they were dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah, a very that, that happens that's a, very, a lot of places. A lot well, of... it does, but it's a very different battle than than you would expect in the army, for example, where you're in a combat zone for a period of time and you can adjust to it. Um, and it's it to me, it's not surprising that there are so many haunted airfields uh, and airfields with stories of returning aircraft. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see ghosts, but why ghost aircraft? What what could possibly? It's not a lie. Well, Person. We've got, well, we've got. Well, well, I know you have quite a few of them, but what, yeah, what do you well, think the theory is behind well, it? I don't think there's. A, I, I I don't want. I don't. Uh, I've never speculated as to why, but I've always pointed oh, out to. Should. Well, I've always pointed. Well, one of the possible explanations, of course, that we have talked about is time slips, because if you look at the time slip phenomena and how That's it's reported, possible. well, how it's reported and how it's described. In all essence, it's only the you only call it a time slip because that's how the person interprets it, or that's how the investigator interprets right. it. But in reality, when you look at the the experience of a time slip and the experience of a haunting, they are almost identical in every respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, who's to say that you're not seeing a time slip when you know people, same people, military personnel? Have reported seeing, you know, um, a World War Two bomber or mm-hmm. fighter mm-hmm. come out of the, you know, come out of the, the the twilight and land on the runway and then disappear. You know, um, you know, Steve. I think that's the one thing that, as paranormal investigators, we don't spend enough time doing. I know you probably do more than other people, but uh, 
it's actually studying the conditions of the phenomena rather than the phenomena itself. I mean, when a phenomena occurs, what are the exact conditions? Is is well, much is much exactly. measurable as much measurable as possible. Exactly, and unfortunately, um, and it comes down to record keeping. The, mm -hmm. the, we don't have. I mean, the person who had the original experience probably won't remember very much about the the prevailing weather conditions on the day, or or. Um, <clears throat> but you can you can. I mean, it, it might be one explanation, for example, for these uh, what are called cyclical apparitions, mm -hmm. the ones that are said to you know the the ghost of Mary Queen of Scots. The residual well, no, cyclical, the ones that turn up on the same day or re said to turn up on the same day year after year after year. Oh, because there's no time in the afterlife. Well, <laughs> one, one potential way of looking at it is yeah. when is, you know, if it was 27 degrees Celsius mm -hmm. and the humidity was 85% and blah, 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 when is the most likely time uh, or period for that to, to reoccur? <laughs> Uh, it's not going to be in January if it was. Right. It, it, it's, so that might be you might need specific conditions in order. I think for that's what we really do, Steve. I mean, and there has been the, studies that looked at the weather. Uh, yeah, so, I know. Yeah, I think it's going to be more than that. It's got to be the grand scale of things. It's, you know, I mean, so many people, ghost groups out there, and, and you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of them, and they're quick to post their little pictures of orbs or, or mists or crackling noises on the internet, but they never put the conditions that when they occurred, okay, what was it like there? What was the temperature was like there? What, what time of day was it? What was the, the uh, moon cycle, for God's sakes? What was the, you know, humidity? What was, the, there's a whole well, variety you know what? of items. What's interesting is that you're absolutely right, but they used to, um, because, uh, you know, go back to wind the clock back 10 years and you would have programs like most haunted always recorded at the start of the show. They always said, um, at the beginning of the show, the weather, um, or some details of the weather and the moon, right? They, they always did because back then most investigators would make a note of the moon. Yeah, but they don't do uh, it now, Steve. But they don't do it now, exactly, because there is no need for them to do it now because they're not interested in... No, they uh, want to get the little orbs yeah, and the, the they've dust. Got, well, and, they're mean, more uh, interested in, in getting likes and shares because, I mean, as, as it's been, uh, you know, scientifically demonstrated, um, that if you get like... The more likes and shares that you get to a social media post the more dopamine your brain produces and gives you little highs. <laughs> is that a scientific fact? That is an absolute medical fact. Oh, um, really? Th there's, been, there's been research done into why social media and why people you know, uh, are so addicted to, to, to social media. And it, there is a dopamine high that you get. Facebook. Uh, you, yeah. You, it, it is, you become addicted to the dopamine high. Um, the more likes and shares, because it makes you popular. It makes you, ex you know, sort of happy and excited when people click like and click share on your on your thing, because that's you know what people, you know, we like to be popular. Mm -hmm. um, there was an interesting statistic that came out, I think, this week. Um, uh, they surveyed some uh, school children about you know their aspirations for the future. Now I remember, you know. When you were, when you were little, you wanted to be an engine driver or an astronaut or a, a pilot or whatever you wanted to be. Now, uh, this recent survey, fifty-four percent 
of school-age um, children uh, what said that the, when they grow up, they want to be a celebrity. Ah. Uh, now, that's, that's kind of... Sad, you know, actually. It's sad, but illustrative of the, you know, the mindset that we've gotten ourselves into. Um, mm. You know, we have an addiction to... Uh, to social media, to our mobile phones. You go out now. I mean, you you go out to town or into a coffee bar or a, or a fast food shop or a restaurant. Or the first thing, you know, couples don't sit and talk anymore. They both pick up their smart devices and will sit and take a photograph of their food, tell all their friends where they are, what a great time they're mm. having, how nice the cake is. You know, we don't. Lovely little piece of cake. But we don't live the moment, do we? We're always telling people, and you and I are just as guilty. You know, I, know. I've seen, I, see your, I see your posts about your recipes and how, how lovely the blueberry muffins were. And I put pictures With the wallets of, in it, good choice. Yeah, I, you, it I, came out really good. But that's what we, you know, that's, we've been conditioned to tell the world that, hey, I baked the blueberry muffin today, or hey, I, you know, I... I this that and the other today it's it's it, it's kind of strange we don't just live our life for the experience of living our life mm -hmm. we now live it and think the first thing we think when something good happens is oh i must put this on facebook yeah i think well I, you know and i'll be honest to myself <laughs> well, no, it's not just you. i, I, I don't just post guilty. every every single thing i do no. uh cooking is is something i i do like to do and and when i do something i like to to share it because i do have friends that really care about that crap and uh but yeah, I, you know, as far as taking pictures of my food at restaurant, uh, yeah, I've been guilty in the past before, but just as a lock, not as as something but I would do is. regularly. Yeah. It's not it's not a criticism of of you or me. Because, oh no, no, I'm just you know, just kind both, of like explaining myself, yeah, I guess. We've you know we've become conditioned to live our life in this sort of fishbowl where mm -hmm. we we we're obliged to share it with everybody instead of just getting on with having you know the experience we now have to you know the, it's like when i arrive in america what's the first thing that we do it's strict the boys have arrived on facebook yep you know it's like it, in the grand scale of things it's not real life is it and nobody really cares <laughs> this is true well that's not true you you do have certain yeah, friends yeah, yeah, there are yeah. there are a small number of people who do genuinely you know are interested but it's it's funny how uh, our lives have changed in response to social media and ghost hunting reflects that because now people are not interested in real really looking for Proof. answers looking for answers mm. uh, answers uh, are better one. i like that better yeah what they're looking for what they're craving is how fast can we get you know this this onto can we go live on social media and you know, walk around with our with our smart devices. Can we can we get our EVP online? Can we put our pictures up and ask people you know to, to click like and share? Um, you know, that's what ghost hunting has become. It's become mm -hmm. a social media um, side. Uh, you know, what's a freak show? Right. And and what's suffering for it, of course, is the actual investigation, because. It isn't being done anymore because people are so busy, you know, 
taking pictures of uh, and videos and sharing there by going live instead of just getting on and getting the answers to the questions that are being posed by you know by the people you know who may have called them in or who've had an experience uh, it's about well you know push them aside I want to get my uh, my stuff on social media. I don't really care about the ghost anymore. So this is what I'm going to – I'm putting Speak a sure. challenge out there. If you want to post all your, your, your arms and your, your ghosts or whatever, your, your voices or whatever they are, put your conditions with it too. It's a simple enough thing unless, of course, you didn't record it, and I, I really can't help you there. But, uh, yeah, post them along with them so we can try to understand. Just think of this, Steve. If we could understand the conditions that – paranormal carry occur and we could replicate those conditions would it be possible to prove the existence of spirits maybe no, we, but, we could, no, we could call doubt, them on demand I would doubt that but we'd have a greater chance of understanding what you know what took place if think, we, think, we, wait a minute, think, wait a minute. think about it on, on the time slip thing if we could re- reproduce okay, could we time travel under those conditions well, I, I would say I would say that, that that's probably running a bit too far for me. But I don't know. I'm all into in, this now. For me, for me, the more information that you can gain from um, an opportunity to investigate, mm-hmm. surely is the greater the opportunity of perhaps getting an explanation. And to just go along and get your stuffed teddy bear with flashing lights and then put that on Facebook like or what? <laughs> it was a kitty. Um, is is surely denying yourself the opportunity of sure conducting? Oh, wait, man. but it, it's denying yourself the opportunity, and it's also you're shortchanging those who you are claiming. You know that you're investigating. You know if you claim to be an investigator, then bloody investigate. True. Yep. Do the work. Do the work. Uh, and then, then you know, once you've done the work, by all means, share your results and findings, you know, I, and they'll be much more interesting for yeah, it. People complain because I don't, you know, I say I got an investigation tonight. Now people want to know what happened, but I don't think it's my duty or thing to tell them what happened on the investigation, especially if it's a private one. I believe that that's. Uh, it's private. Uh, well, we took that. We took that step further. We don't even say what we're doing. Period. That's true. That's true. We we just like shut up and get on with it. We we just stopped uh, about four or five years ago. We decided that we would not promote or advertise anything that was ongoing, and that we would only publish things that were of interest after the event. Uh, but we wouldn't do any sort of uh, form yeah. of promotion whilst. Well, the reasons I do it is, is because people, uh, if they don't hear from you, they 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 wonder if you're still doing stuff and, and like that. Well, I, I, I frankly don't care. I mean, yeah, they can. Well, it opens up cases, so that's why I. Well, America and Britain may be different, or that might be why we don't get as many cases. But yeah, <laughs> it's just a we... smaller place. That's all. All the ghosts are leaving. They're coming to America. Well, you would think so, judging by the the increase in the numbers. But there's the tombs anyway. They're all in Chicago, I think. <laughs> Tunes. Yeah, I know. I see them. That's not a big deal. Anyways, so you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, International. Steve Passon, Ron Kolick, right here on Tojanet, Parex Radio. And we come back, we may have a teller of Curious Tales, a new one. Hmm, if not, we'll just keep putting the world to rights. Ooh. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Hi, Steve Parsons here looking for sea monsters in Tenby, West Wales. And I'll be over in New England looking for your sea monsters this coming fall. Join me, Ron Kolek, and a host of others at Spirit Quest 2018. We'll see you there. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parrax family. Before I say welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International with New England's very own Van Helsing and me, the gold standard, I'm going to issue an apology because New England's very own Van Helsing still hasn't changed that bloody trailer. What are you doing now? What? We just don't do anything. <laughs> Could be paranormal. You don't know. You're trying to blow across a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, before we do start anything, I do want to mention that our hats go out to uh, all the poor people out in uh, California who are getting ravaged by those fires. Uh, the death toll right at, right now is 42 dead and, and hundreds missing, so it, it's sad. And uh, I know it's uh, like two miles uh, from my uh, nephew's house out there, and uh, and uh, my other nephew is, uh, I guess, because of this fire and the smoke and everything the air quality is is really crap so uh we you know it, i don't know what to say you really don't i mean we we've had disaster after disaster between the hurricane that hit uh, the panhandle to uh, the one in north carolina it's it, america has uh, suffered uh, immensely you know it's god's judgment on trump <laughs> i knew you were going to say that <laughs> no it wasn't me that said it it was a it was a left wing liberal uh who said it on uh, social media the other yeah, day you couldn't refuse you couldn't miss that one could you <laughs> they couldn't mess up that chance could they yeah yeah well once we get well, the wall built that won't happen anymore they'll probably be blaming it for uh, the death of stan lee as well that was trump's fault yeah i'm sure it was okay should everybody know stanley be honest uh-huh. Well, everybody knows Stanley. Well, do you know what? I, I never, I was never a fan of Marvel, so it yeah. meant it meant diddly squat, really. I mean, oh, I was very, you know, naturally, it was. It if was someone said, it's... "Oh, Stanley died today," would have you? And I mean, you already heard all the stuff. Would have you have known who he was? Well, I would, but that I would not, to be honest well, with you. I did because my my boys are into Marvel, um, but for me personally. Is his name on the on the comics? Uh, yes. Okay. I, I don't uh, know. But but for, but for me personally, I I don't think I've even seen a Marvel film, um, and I yeah. never read Marvel comics growing up. It, so it, you know, 
I'm sorry, but you know, they, there we are. Hmm. Hey, speaking about films, I, I watched. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, Jen actually watched this. Is I watched this communist film the other day on Netflix. Well, you being from that part of the world, <laughs> I, I, it was it was it was actually a con- communist fantasy film, but it was so so uh, interesting because it was all subtitles too, but it was so interesting because uh, of all their um, cultural things that they did, you know, the, the singing and the work of stuff and everything. It was a riot, actually. I, I just cracked out, cracked up. I just, uh, it was called, just for those who are interested, in, and they have Netflix, and there are quite a few out there, it is uh, The Chronicles of the Ghost Army. So uh, if you want to watch it, watch it. There we go. Do you have um, the BBC iPlayer? No. Oh, that's a shame, because... Uh, to sell, just returning back to the hundredth uh, anniversary, um, the, the Peter Jackson, who was the director of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, was commissioned by the Imperial War Museum to take all of the black and white footage from World War One mm-hmm. and try to make it you know, sort of into something more relevant. Oh, cool! Uh, and using the you know sort of uh, effects computers that they used in you know modern movies, right. first of all they they. Uh, re- they they turn these black and white films into color films, and that in itself, you know, to see them, it's it's incredible. Um, there is no narration, and what they used was all of black and white. I rather have seen a black and white than color. I'm well, sorry. it looks very different in color. Uh, yeah, the, it looks. You, well, you actually see the horror of the trenches um, and the fly blown bodies, and yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, instead of narrating it, what they used was uh, there was a BBC archive and they'd recorded hundreds of, tr- of transcripts um, mm-hmm. and conversations with the World War One veterans back in the right. 1950s and 60s. And so they were using them to tell their own story. But with the footage, what they'd done, as well as colorizing it, which is incredible to see, um, is they'd had forensic lip readers reading forensic lip readers <laughs> they brought forensic I never thought that was a job <laughs> well apparently it is and what they've done is they, they i didn't re- think dead people talked well i guess they well, did to me that was the but... that was the no that was the idea because they had all of this silent footage where of course the men are speaking but right. you can't hear so using they're probably readers, saying oh, god i can't wait till trump gets elected well, now I mean they were just normal people. Uh, the walking past the camera. What here. the hell do you think they were? They were most. No, I mean in terms of, of in terms of in terms of hello mum and hey look boys we're going to be on camera and um, uh, it made the whole thing incredibly real. But it what's what was very poignant was listening to the descriptions of the men's experiences because we always think that these were horrific experiences um you know and we 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 look upon these people as heroes and we we you know we read the war poetry from Siegfried Sassoon and Wilfred Owen and they're full of the horrors of war but when you hit listen to the men they're saying it was great it was like going to going to scout camp with the added spice of a bit of danger we had a great time and they're talking about, and then right at the end of the program, um, because remembrance is a very solemn affair, mm-hmm. and you realise it's actually very hypocritical, because when they came back, when this million-strong army returned from France, they were shunned. 
like the Vietnam vets were shunned in America yeah. for, for years and years. They were told, you know, when they turned up for jobs, it said no, no ex-services. Uh, when they tried to get places to live, the landlords would say, we don't want any soldiers. We don't want any ex-services here. And they were absolutely shunned when they yeah, came back. Yeah, they were giving them all to the Americans. And then, you know, nowadays, you know, we, 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 history is, very, and it goes back to what we were saying, I think it was on last week's show, about how history becomes very um, looked at through rose-tinted glasses. Of course it does. Absolutely. But there we are. One more thing on, on movies before uh, we get to the Teller Curious Tales, the new one, hopefully, uh, is once again, I've watched Red Lights. And that movie, although it's kind of crappy ending and, and that stuff, but it, it intrigues me so much of uh, Sigourney Weaver, the, the, uh, you know, the university, the studying of these things. I, I thought that was phenomenal. Does that happen in the U.S.? It certainly doesn't happen here. I mean, in the UK, uh, I'm sorry. No. And in fact, the whole nice idea of, uh, we should really do a, a show about red light sciences and the mythology. No, not red light sciences. I'm talking sorry. about red lights, the movie with Sigourney Weaver. Uh, not seen it. Yes, you have, because I brought it up before and you went out and watched it. Uh, it oh, yes, yes, sorry. Yes, I know the one now. Yes, it's it's all about paranormal studies. She's a, 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 no, a parapsychologist, and there's another section in the university where they get a lot of uh, money to yeah, study I know the uh, I know the ESP yeah. and stuff. And uh, I, I find that movie extremely intriguing and uh, just because – And unrealistic. Well, it's – the, the premise, forget the premise. The premise sucks. I mean, it's what happens at the end and all that. It's whatever. But the studying part of it, I find intriguing. And that does not happen in the UK, correct? We do have parapsychology departments, but they don't do anything as dramatic or as um, theatrical as that. It, it's much more mundane. In fact, when you, when you go to, say, the conference, uh, the conference season, and you realize, when you read the papers that these parapsychologists are presenting, mm-hmm. They are dull, 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 dull. Um, and they have impenetrable titles um, that uh, well, I'm not even going to attempt to. I mean, some of the psychologists themselves can't understand what the title of the bloody thing means. Mm-hmm. You know, this it's not like that at all, unfortunately, in real life. Um, I mean, I suppose you've got Dr. Cal Cooper sw- uh, floating about in, a, in his eyes. I know, that's so cool. In his isolate. Well, is it? Is it? I mean, how is that going to, you know, I mean, what's that telling us really? Telling us going to be clean. Well, I mean, that's all, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, you've got, um, you've got bizarre things that really you sit there and you scratch your head and you think, what are you doing? Where, where are you going with this? Oh, my gosh. How is this going to enlighten us? I, 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 I went on the internet because I want to post the uh, the movie on on our page and and what I get how true to life are the psychics and psychologists in red lights by the by the Guardian ah, maybe I'll post that as well there we are that's intriguing You'll probably find it's an interview with Cal Cooper <laughs> <laughs> Chris French you know him oh. huh yeah he's Do not you? a parapsychologist. I don't know. He's, he's an anomaly. No, no, no. He's an anomalistic psychologist. A real life parapsychologist, Chris well, he Prince, isn't. gives well, the he verdict isn't. on the newly released film. He Red is, Light. and he doesn't like being called a parapsychologist now. Well, he likes to be referred to as thing. an anomalistic psychologist. Hmm. 
because I think they're starting. You know, some 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 who were within parapsychology have started to put some clear blue water between themselves and oh. parapsychology. I think I don't know whether it's a, an attempt to gain funding or academic credibility. That could be. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, they uh, Chris French is an anomalistic psychologist, which is what. Uh, a misguided parapsychologist. <laughs> you say that about all parapsychologists. A, who, well, no, parapsychologists are just misguided psychologists. Okay. <laughs> In the main, or is you know, as as Lloyd Auerbach said to us on the show, um, you know, these are just people who lack the normal social skills. <laughs> and Remember? yet, yeah, said it. Which is a course of parapsychology. Does and guess what? The one of the recommended or two of the recommended course books are. Uh, They're not more Ghost Chronicles. I'll tell you that. But, <laughs> but, Terror of Curious Tales. I think so. <laughs> so, without further ado, can we have the Teller of Curious Tales? <laughs> Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. Once each year on the island of Mbenga, a very dramatic and mystifying ceremony is performed. A ceremony in honour of the gods of the harvest. Now the chief article of food in Mbenga is the sweet dracaena root, which must be baked for four days in order to make it edible. This baking takes the form of a ceremonial. First, an enormous pit is filled with stones and logs. Then, a hot fire is started, which is allowed to burn until the stones become white hot. Now the ceremony begins. The drummers start with a low, rhythmic beat, which grows louder as the women come in with a wailing chant. The drumming and wailing become louder and faster and faster and louder until it reaches a frenzied crescendo. Then, as suddenly as if it were cut off with a knife, it stops. There is a pause, and from the distance comes the singing of men. But this time, no wailing supplication. This is a song of warriors hurling defiance at their enemies. They march to the pit and leap into its fiery heat. Their walk is slow, unhurried as they plant their feet squarely and firmly on each stone. They are defying the fire god to do his worst. When the chief feels that the gods of the harvest have been sufficiently honoured and the fire god humiliated, the men march out, unharmed, unburned, unmarred. Doctors who haven't seen this ceremony say it can't be done. 
Doctors who have seen it say it can. Some scientists cry fake. Others frankly admit they haven't the least idea how it is done. The encyclopedia says there has never been a logical explanation and that it's a subject which should be investigated. The savages know why they can do it. And their explanation is quite simple. They say that in the dim past, a chief of the clan saved one of their gods from drowning. And as a reward, the chief and his descendants were given this remarkable gift. The gong strikes. My time is up. The teller of curious tales has closed his book. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. Until then, sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs>
Good. You know why All I right. can't? You know why I can't do it? Because my keyboard is—I've just detached my keyboard for a few minutes. Oh, is that my fault? No. Just, just putting it out there. Okay, fine. Why do they have such a big opening in these things? I don't know. Ah, oh, this is this is useless. You haven't discovered anything, then? Nah, it's just a bunch of crap. I'll skip it. I don't feel like going through it all. Anyways, all right, so uh, what did we do? We did that, we did that. Okay, we finished that off. Uh, we're coming up on... Uh, you see, we're, 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 I, th- I think we're suffering from Halloween overload like, like the media is. I mean, we, we, we spend this whole month of October, don't we, focusing on building up to Halloween, like it's something, like it's a special day. And for some people, you know, it's their, their equivalent of Christmas. Um, Carrigan. <laughs> I didn't say it. I did. Uh, and then you know, once it's gone, it's like it's like November is like that quiet month when you get on and do real life stuff. You know, not really worrying about the ghosts and the hauntings. Unfortunately, and the stuff. I can't have that one. No, you can't, can you? Because you, you, I you still have a foolishly. I've got a book to free. A ton of radio shows. I'm still going to be doing. In fact, this Wednesday, I'm going to be on uh, Willie Haskell's show. Oh, which... that's nice. Yeah, I thought the, you'd be the other The other uh, Van Helsing of New England. Yeah, the other uh, keeper of the gatekeeper to the realm of whoever. That's the one. That's the yep. fella. Yep. So, yeah, that'll be on uh, Wednesday night at 10. So Interesting uh, to see how he introduces you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, I've been on there before, so I, I know how he does it, but... Uh, it was interesting because he invited Maureen and I to go on, but unfortunately he only had one line, so he couldn't figure out how to do it. Oh, bless. <laughs> but anyway, so we'll be on uh, Spirit, uh, what's it called? Spirit something? Or other. I don't know. Uh, i got to go look it up. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, it is called Spirit Radio. There we are. The Paranormal well, I- Corner. Encounter. Ooh, that was the the name of yeah. the first uh, spirit quest. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, he, he he hasn't asked me to do to promote my book. Oh, that's a shame. But uh, to be fair, I've got I've got um, I've got November's nice and quiet at the moment, and I'm I'm trying to keep it that way. But what is fair? I mean, what, what are you going to do? Promote yourself? Is that what you're saying? Well, other no. Words, but... In other words, you're not the only one. I've got some too. Ho, ho, well. Ho. No, I'm saying I'm trying to keep November nice and quiet mm-hmm. because it's nice to catch up on some of the other stuff that I need to catch up on and also to do some family stuff. Uh, but we have the official launch of my book is on December the 11th. Ooh, uh, yeah, because obviously... I didn't the, get my invitation yet. Well, if you hop on a plane, um, I might. I'll, I I'll, 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 I'll guess a list you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually came from the printers before we were expecting it to. So never miss an opportunity to sell some. Mm-hmm. Um, so the official launch is, is in December, and then I've got the the same as you now. The the round of um, the, the the different shows and talks and presentations and stuff that you have to do to sell the book. I don't know why people don't just buy it. You know, it's it's been written, it's there, it's available, it's on Amazon at the moment, Amazon.co.uk, not Amazon.com. That is coming. I have a copy. Uh, if anyone's interested, then contact me, and I'll be more than willing to sell it to them. 
$99. No, it's 15 bucks. No, 99 that's a signed copy. Yeah, but you signed them all. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's, a, there's only 38, 39 signed copies in the entire world. And I have two of them. There we are, then. Actually, you don't want for Nate. No, he didn't want it. He didn't want it? No, he bought more Ghost Chronicles. After he reserved a copy, he didn't yeah. want it? Well, obviously, he doesn't want to learn anything about the paranormal, then, does he? No, I guess not. He has more ghost chronicles. What else could he use? Well, that's not going to teach him anything, <laughs> is it? <laughs> sure What's is. that going to teach him? <laughs> teach you about me. <laughs> oh, uh, having read more ghost chronicles... You, you did not. I did. And I never gave you, expected you to read that. I know, uh, and that's why you wrote that note at the beginning. Oh, God. On no. the off chance that I wouldn't read it, but I did read it because you oh, wrote that note in the beginning. That's a and shame. Uh, no, it's, it's fine, except for I, I found two spelling errors and two grammatical errors. Ah, uh, no, you need, British. You need a better proofreader. No, because you're British, you got it wrong. No. Yes. No. Yes. No, I, I understand. Look, I've been to America often enough to understand the way that you, you know, no, you have lazy, set, lazy no, spelling. Colloquialism. Oh, colloquialism. What, like omitting completely the world's longest sentence? Mm -hmm. At least there's no uppies in it. I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, I thought it was one other thing I wanted to bring up, and time is running out. I just uh, heard a report today that uh, uh, air, uh, Irish air control... Irish, Irish, yeah, off the southwest coast of Ireland, they've been seeing light... Oh, wait a minute, this is my story. Get your own freaking story. Well, it's next door to me. British Airways and Virgin Air have pilots have all reported strange... All right, go ahead, you can carry it. Well, you've just basically said it's, it's, it's a bit of a nothing story, really. Really? It's pretty big around the, here. Several airline pilots have reported um, lights seen zooming across the sky off the southwest coast of Ireland, um, which isn't very far from here, as you know. I know. Did you see any? No. No. But then we've had atrocious weather. Uh, and there, there, there's been I different things. Yeah, been atrocious weather. There's been different well, causes clouds. So, there's been different explanations put forward so far, including uh, top secret military test programs, meteorites, bits of well, funnily enough, funnily enough, he flew over here only the other day. Yeah, told you. On his way back from France, where he was dodging the rain showers. I'm telling you, he gets blamed for everything. I'm sure. Well, at the moment, they're blaming everything on Brexit over here. But the, so, I mean, it is it is interesting. It's not something that I'm terribly interested in. No. You know, UFOs and such are not really. Many, many years ago, I used to be more interested. But, you know, I made a decision that I was I would focus on my key interests rather than. Um, you know, I time slot. Really have, uh, no. It's ghost. Uh, interesting. I mean, uh, I, uh, I do have a few books on ufology uh, that are remnants of um, my past. But And, of course, as you know, I brought that rather cool Roswell um, model back with me from my, my latest trip over there. Which, oh, yeah. Uh, did it make it back? Oh, yeah. Perfectly well. And it polished up really well. Oh, cool. Mirror, very mirror cool. finish. Very and, cool. I, and I managed to repair the stand, so that was all cool. Oh, very good. Um, but... 
That was hey. your big find in America. Uh, the best thirty dollars I've spent. Well, no, actually, I can't. We can't talk about the best thing I spent. I found. I know. I was just going to say that the but best thing we spent five dollars on. I know. Well, no, it was ten dollars. There were two of them. The two of them, but I have one. Yeah, there were four ninety nine each. It was nine ninety eight. And no sales tax because it was in New Hampshire. That's true. So it was even double. Yeah. Anyways, we're running out of time. Uh, don't forget, Ghost Chronicles, uh, not Ghost Chronicles, goodness gracious. <laughs> Spirit Quest uh, 2019 X-Files at uh, Groveland. And, uh, oh, and also keep tuned because in May, I believe it's May 15th, I believe, May, somewhere around there, will be the Bell Witch Ghost Hunt at BZ Memorial Park. So, of course, and, the Bell Witch was n- well known for tr- coming from Tennessee to uh, BZ. He spent all the time there. That was his summer home. We know that. And don't forget to tune in next week to hear the new trailer replacing the Tenby trailer. Really? What show? Well, it better do. I like it. I may never take it off. (laughs) You'll find. All right, it's the tunes. We got to go. Oh, good. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Blah 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 blah. Blah 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 blah. You see, we we're all we're all ghosted out after Halloween. That's the problem. Yeah, it is. So, good night, everyone, and uh, boo. Remember, Thanksgiving's coming up. Stuff yeah, a stuff, stuff that turkey. Stuff a turkey. See you next time. Good night, God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good law.